Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Tony Rose Deanne and she, her pronouns, a community engagement manager at Modern Classroom. And I am joined by an English team, Lori, Stephanie, and Teresa from Dallas ISD, whom I've had the pleasure to observe other implementers within DC, as well as be a thought partner for how to better implement the model. So welcome team. Thank you. I love I love talking to a team like it's just it's just so great. Uh, But it's so exciting to be in this space with you. And thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast. Before we get started, how are you all feeling today? Let's let's name it and acknowledge and give that time and um, space to talk about how we're feeling today. I'm feeling energized going into a new school year, like getting back together, being with the team back at school. It's been fun. Yeah, we just started back our teacher in-service yesterday, and I definitely have that sort of nervous excitement that I start every year with, but also the comfort of having my awesome teammates back, so um, I'm feeling good about that. Yeah, I have to echo that. I am feeling pretty positive about the school year as well. Glad to be back. I've been here for two weeks without them, and so I was like, come on, guys, get back now. (laughs) I miss them when they're not here. <laughs> but we're back. So we're all we're all together again, ready to go. Oh, I love this. You just feel all the love here. And I am such a huge fan. So tell us more about who you are and how you started your MCP journey. So I'll start it off. I'm Steph and I go by the pronouns she and her. I come from a family of teachers. This is my 13th year of teaching, which seems crazy to say. Um, I also coach soccer, which is another one of my passions. I've taught in Pennsylvania, in Sweden, and most recently English 2 in Texas for the longest stretch. I am an avid listener of this podcast, and so it kind of feels like, uh, you know, I'm nerding out a little bit here. This is like a dream to be be here with with you guys doing this today. So that's me. Okay, well, I'll go next. I'm Lori. And um, just a little bit about me. This is teaching is actually a second career for me. I spent my first part of my career mostly in the environmental field. So um, I've been teaching um, in Texas for seven years. And Steph and I also coach um, soccer and golf as uh, soccer with Steph. And Steph and I have been teaching together for six years. So it's been a while together. Mm-hmm. A good, good while yeah. together, but a long while. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm Teresa. I don't teach or coach soccer with them, um, but my pronouns are she, her. Uh, I also come from a family of teacher, teachers and coaches. This is my fifth year teaching. I taught middle school before teaching high school. And so this is my third year on the English two team. And now I'm also an instructional lead teacher or instructional coach for our department. Which is so exciting, by the way. Sorry to interrupt. Yes, It was so fun to pick um, your brain and talk to Emily Dia when I was with you guys about instructional coaching. So I'm excited. Yes, we're really excited for Teresa. 
So I just, I wanted to say a little bit about our sort of journey with MCP, because as a team, we've kind of come to this as a group. So um, Steph and I, along with another colleague of ours, Taylor Henry, had been experimenting with personalized learning when I had discovered the Modern Classrooms website when I was doing some research for a master's paper. And I tell you, I was so excited. I texted them right away. I said, this this looks like what we've been trying to do. And um, the more we looked at it, the more it looked like it was like filling in the missing pieces of what we were trying to figure out with personalized learning. And then that was pre-pandemic. Once the pandemic hit, like the, then the modern classrooms model just made that transition for us so much easier. So that's how we got into it. And we'll talk more about how you got them excited. Lori, because I feel like it, you know, it takes it takes a long time or at least it, it can be challenging to get other people on board with something so new. So thank you for that, um, team. All right. Well, tell us more about your school, because I know our listeners are always so curious about the types of schools that Modern Classroom is being implemented in. So, Teresa, go go for it. Yes. Yeah, so we teach at Woodrow Wilson High School in Dallas, Texas. It's a public school, an urban comprehensive high school. And we have a very diverse student body, both racially and socioeconomically. And we also have diverse programs. So we have on-level AP, IB, STEM, arts. We also have special populations such as deaf ed for the district at our campus. So that's a little bit about our school. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about what is that last one, (laughs) Teresa, that you said? On deaf education. So we have that on our um, campus for the district. And Steph has actually taught um, our deaf ed population before if she wants to speak to that a bit. Sure. Yeah, we serve the whole district. So um, it is pretty unique. And that's, you know, one of the things that I think has been helpful, but also a little bit challenging at times with the blended learning. And um, it's made us be really creative as teachers trying to figure out how to think about maybe the visual and audio aspects that, you know, you might not think about if you just have uh, your, your, I guess, typical learner. So thinking about captions on videos, especially the videos we've created as a team, we've, we've had to learn a lot with the mm-hmm. tech tools, trying to jump some hurdles there. Um, also incorporating um, more educators in this whole process because we have uh, teacher's assistants, interpreters, um, you know, special ed teachers that are co-teaching with us. So, you know, we've had to really like scoop everyone in and get everyone on board in our classroom. Um, but I think that's really enhanced everything we're doing uh, as a team and, and brought a lot of creativity and, and good ideas into into what we do. Okay, good to know. Clearly, here's me being ignorant, right? And like, not even knowing what you meant. And that's exactly what you meant. So thank you again for teaching me. And Whew, that's a whole new like area that I'm not even aware of. So this is going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. We'd have instructional videos and then last minute we would say, oh, we don't have ASL video on it. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have to do a quick pivot. So yeah, we've learned. We've learned. <laughs> yeah. And it's I know that in the beginning, um, like maybe like 2020 when the pandemic was happening, right? We had a couple of teachers who were like, hey, we teach deaf ed. We need a lot of support with this, right? And I remember just being like, I have no idea. Um, but it's really great to have the community just kind of be a thought partner and have um, those ideas together, come up with those ideas together. So this is this is really, this is really cool. This is really cool. So All right. Uh, Thank you for that run down. Um, It's really interesting. And so 
again, going back to what I was saying with Lori, how did you get the whole team on board with implementing modern classrooms? And I know, Teresa, you're going to talk a little bit more about this because there were five of you, right? Yes. Yep. So this is really Steph and Lori's baby. <laughs> so um, this like, the, it was all innovative. So innovation in the classroom has always excited me. So I was quickly on board with their goal of implementing the model. And they said something to me when they started, they said, we're trying to make teaching English a sustainable career. And I was like, yes, I am on board with that. Let's do it. Um, and so we were all just in agreement that true differentiation wasn't possible with the traditional classroom model. Um, and MCP offered the structure that we needed, but also just flexibility to bring our own personality into our classrooms. And so for me and for our other teammates that they were getting on board, I think the model just gave us the time and space to incorporate those dream instructional elements, like one-to-one actionable feedback, small group, mastery grading, that I just always thought was, okay, that's a fun dream. You know, but it was intriguing that that could be a possibility. So for us, it was just the model was just good, innovative teaching. And there's a lot of trust on our team and we trust Lori and Steph. So otherwise we were going to tell her what to do anyway. Yeah, they were going to make me do it if I didn't do it anyway. So being on board right away was a good choice on her part. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny because my follow-up question was, um, was there ever a time where you were like, no, I, this is too much. I can't do it. But then, you know, with the team supporting you and kind of pushing you and encouraging you, you kind of jumped on. Like, was there anyone in the team that was hesitant or was it just like, okay, cool. Everyone is just going to dive head in first. I think we were all a little scared. Like for me, it was giving up lecturing. That was the way that I was doing lecturing. I was felt like I felt like I was jiving with it. And then the idea of going to more blended, I was like, okay, I'll do it. But we're going to need to work together on this. So that was for me. And I never want to lecture again. <laughs> yeah, I would say we probably each went through our own phase of nervousness, nervousness with one aspect of it or another. But then just because we are such a cohesive team, um, when one person was maybe a bit hesitant or nervous, the other teammates kind of just stepped in and picked up the slack and, um, you know, made it work. So we functioned really well in that way of leaning on each other. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we're lucky to have each other in that way that nobody's nervousness or hesitation about one part ever held the group back or that person back from just plowing forward together. Yeah. So then a follow-up question, was it just luck that all five of you were brought together or did you have to have some hard conversations about communication and work style? How did, how is it that your team is so cohesive? Peel was in all our, was in my interview. <laughs> I, I specifically chose her. Um, yeah, we joke about that uh, sometimes that Lori and I with another one of our teammates kind of were fortunate to fall in together. Yeah. Um, and jive so well together in a way that is pretty special. But then from there, we basically kind of, I don't know, I want to say almost like handpicked our teammates. Uh, I'm getting be, sappy about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we get like that. Um, but yeah, I would say like once Lori and I kind of knew the direction we were going, we really picked these awesome people and it wasn't luck. It was just you know, knowing what they would bring to the table. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I also say that we have been conscious, like we've worked on that 
we we have figured out our enagrams together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we, we got nine. I'm a nine. Yeah. Six and, <laughs> and, me, and, and we have figured out, you know, we've gotten to know each other personally, like as much as each other will sort of not allow, but just we're open to that. And, and we've been conscious about when we have had conflict of addressing the conflict and not letting it simmer. So I think that that's really... You know, that and, and the fact that we're all sort of open to innovation sort of mm. kind of mm-hmm. ties us all together. Yep. And we'll have to shout out Antonio. He's our teammate who isn't here right now, but um, and Carson, our new team teammate. So over the years, um, the team has shifted and changed. But where we are now with um, Teresa, Antonio, Carson, Lori and myself, I mean, um, it's grown to a place where we're we're a really strong group. and you know, I think we take pride in the fact that we've worked hard to do that. And we know that team chemistry and we know that, um, you know, taking time to know each other outside the classroom and everything that Lori mentioned is is really important. So that's probably a point of pride for us, I'd yeah. say. And yeah. and also, I will note, too, that it is somewhat unusual in our even in our building. Mm-hmm. I don't know outside here because I'm like I said, I'm a second career teacher. So. It's hard for me to speak to things outside of here, but from what I can tell, it is it to have a team be together as long as Steph and I have been working together, and you know, it's something that you don't see every day. Yep, we definitely don't take it for granted either. Mm-hmm. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> that warms my heart so much, and it makes me miss my old English team because we were really much like we were pretty similar to the dynamic of your team as well. You know, there were four of us in in sixth grade. And so, you know, with more personalities, there tends to be more conflict. And then there's different ways of teaching. And we were trying to implement the model together. And we had a lot of disagreements. Um, And at the same time, we were just like, you know what, as as long as we keep our students centered, and we understand that like one teacher is thinking about how this could potentially be a great move for students, we were all down for it, right? Like we were able to call each other in when we come up with something that wasn't so great. (laughs) Um, But I love the fact that, you know, you were conscious about conflict and really just having those conversations as opposed to ruminating on it and then becoming resentful, right? Um, And just like what you both said, um, there are a lot of teams where it's really difficult to work with each other. But I think with communication, it makes teaching and learning that much more fun when you have a group of teachers that are just as excited and as supportive as you are. Mm -hmm. Yes, it makes a difference. Let's move on to the next question. How did you all start planning to implement the model? Because I know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't implement the model in the beginning of the school year, right? We did this year. Yes. You did this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said before, I discovered it pre-pandemic, I discovered modern classrooms pre-pandemic. And so after like the summer of lockdown, Steph and I took the free course together that summer and then we introduced it to the team during the, the, we call it the hybrid year, the pandemic year. We in in our district, we were part in person and part at home. And as a team, we did the free course together. We used the extra planning time that our district gave us to um, to, to study together. And then that second semester, we started we started putting the pieces together of our modern classroom with the intention of doing a full launch the following year. So we started what, uh, you know, making videos, creating videos 
what I call evergreen materials, materials that we use over and over again, lectures that we were doing over and over again. We started creating those videos and we created a website where we housed all those videos. We created trackers. We worked through all the other sort of logistical elements of the modern classroom. So we were like fully ready to roll out last, you know, at the beginning of last year. Yeah. And I would say, so it kind of, we started with blended learning as our focus and we, we implemented that during that phase. And then we held off and really just spent all the time planning to get ready for the next year to really get into the self-paced and the mastery piece. So it was sort of a multi-stage rollout. But I would say, you know, one of the first things that we did that got us really excited, um, you know, and this is like a probably nerd teacher thing, but we put these big, you know, sticky poster boards all over the room and got our markers out and started doing vision boards as a team. So we really were just discussing together what, you know, what are each other's values? Um, what are our goals? What are our teaching philosophies? Um, and really kind of talking big picture before then starting to hammer out the details and the more concrete practical aspects. So after we sort of aligned on the vision and started getting into the details, we we kind of took a painstaking process almost of of really going like through every assignment, everything we were doing in detail all together as a group. We weren't splitting anything up. We were just thinking through it together, which is you know, requires a lot of patience for five people to sit in a room and do that. I think what that led us to was developing our own formats and templates for assignments. And, you know, that that whole process of talking in detail to that degree at the time might be seen as inefficient, but in the long run, it was well worth it. So now it's, you know, at, at snap of fingers, we can split work up and say, okay, you know, you take this portion of the next unit, you take this piece, and we all know what's expected. We have unified templates. We kind of joke around that we even have like a team font. Yeah, so Montserrat. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. We use one font. Montserrat all the way. So <laughs> use a different font, you're off the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have, you know, down to that degree of detail, you know, we aligned. So now it's an awesome process of just being able to split work up take on different responsibilities depending what unit we're encountering and what each other's strengths are. And and then once we come back with our independently created things, they they all jive and can be used by everybody. So it's it's been an awesome process. I mean, this is just so powerful just hearing you all talk about it. Just the fact of creating vision boards. I love vision boards because I do firmly believe that when you actually see what you want, you can make it happen. And I love the fact that all five of you did this. And like you said, it requires a lot of patience to even just get two people on the same page, let alone five people. And so, you know, it does seem time consuming, but I can speak from experience that sometimes when I'm working with a team, we just want to get to the nitty gritty and the small details and not really taking a step back and looking at the big picture. And I feel like you, your team just kind of approached this in a way where it was like, well, duh, that makes a lot of sense. You really force yourself to slow down and align as a team together. And that's commendable. That's really, really great. And also why Montserrat? <laughs> I don't know. It's very calming. It's a good feeling I'm telling that you, we Tony all Rose, start yeah. using that font. <laughs> yeah, we've it's it's been a funny process of kind of like 
take we've gotten into each other's heads so much that we almost start le- thinking like the other person yeah. when we're creating an assignment. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been fun. Yeah. I've made campus-wide documents Montserrat now, so it's going into the campus now. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that, and and that just speaks so much volume, right? There's so much to that when you're like, we already know each other's um, ways of teaching, and we already know what to expect. And I think that's what we ultimately want when we're working with a team together, just so that we can anticipate, like, oh, Teresa's going to want it this way, or like Steph is already going to think this way, or Lori's going to think this way, right? Like that is that is really really cool because I know that was one of the things that I absolutely loved about working with my team at my um, school in DC was the fact that like I could tell you what Emily Cope would say, right? And I could tell you what Livia and Katya also wanted to do, and so I love this. Um, but then also just like let's get real with it. You all implemented this during the hybrid year. Yeah, there were some challenges to that. Yeah, but I I will say at the same time, you know, there was a lot of change happening. It just Mm -hmm. felt to me like that year was so weird that it seemed like the right time to be talking about what do we value? Like, what do we Mm -hmm. think is important? It kind of went with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, in a way, it was almost because we were embarking on on this already and had done a lot of the pre-work when other people were kind of scrambling to even know how to cope, yeah. like we had this right. to fall back on. We sure did. So, yeah, you were researching instructional videos before. Yeah, yeah. so it was almost was a, even- a calming element for us that we had this at a time of such chaos and yeah. turmoil, actually. Honestly, in reflecting, I think that it made hybrid easier yes. for mm-hmm. us. Yeah, definitely. And it gave us goals. I mean, we weren't just creating things just because we had to put something in front of the kids. We had a reason why we were doing our assignments in a certain way, why we were creating our videos in a certain way. It felt easier to experiment with kids on Zoom. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, but it was also, I think, the fact that like some people were creating things just for that year. Right. But we could really invest in this because we knew even after the pandemic, no matter what whether we were in person or hybrid, we were sticking with this. So we could really put that time in knowing that we were going to be invested long-term. Y'all were in a better headspace than I was. I started in, like I started coaching that year. I was an instructional coach during hybrid year. And let me tell you, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I was like, you know, the teachers th- that I worked with were just stressed and understandably so. And then for me to be like, oh, I have this model that could potentially work really well, right? Either virtually or hybrid or in person. But like my teachers just didn't have the capacity for it. So um, kudos to you all for having the capacity and making the time and um, creating energy for it because that year was really stressful for everyone. Yes. If we didn't have the, if we weren't interested in it before um, hybrid, I don't think I would have had the capacity for it because I would have been like, oh, another new thing. I can't do that right right now. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just getting by. So I think because it was already an instructional goal for all of you, it made it more. Oh, I can do that. Yeah. And this is just kind of going back to just having that community, right? Like having that partnership and that support team to just kind of when you're questioning it and you're struggling and you have two or three people kind of just helping you out, it really does make a huge difference because we were all scrambling that year. Like I don't even want to think about it because it makes me so sad (laughs) just how hard it was. It was really hard. 
I had to pull up Zoom today and I was like, oh no, not that tab. <laughs> Get triggered for yeah, everybody. No, no, not that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right. Um, this is such a great conversation. I'm having so much fun with you all. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> uh, so, okay. You started doing just bits and pieces of the model, which I think is a great idea. That is something I tell new implementers all the time. You actually don't have to do all three pillars of the instructional model. You can just pick and choose what you're comfortable with and then like play around with it. And then once you feel comfortable with it, go and um, implement the second pillar, whatever that may be, right? So how did you introduce this model to the rest of the people who are involved in the teaching and learning? So our stakeholders, our students, our caregivers, admin, et cetera. How did you all do that? Yeah, so for students, so with the way that our team functions and the trust we have, we did a team teaching approach. So our students were introduced to it by being told, okay, you're going to be getting instruction through every English 2 teacher on campus. Um, And then that just benefits um, our grade level that if kids change schedules, there's like an easy transition. Um, If their teacher switches, we're on this, we're doing the same material at the exact same pace. So Students were on board quickly. They also, when we introduced them to like the Edutopia video, they were, they thought, oh, this model sets us up for like, it supports us well. And then also they felt like they could jump back in quickly if they were absent. And that's really how we hooked them um, in my classroom, at least. And then for administrators, we didn't have much pushback, but we did invite them into our rooms and to our planning times just so they could see how the model flowed and also how much work we were putting into it. Um, And they were really encouraging. But our area of growth would be that third one, which is caregivers. So we're trying to set unit zero up better with this by making a video with our grading system, um, just introducing the MCP model to our parents. Um, But last year we had uh, students email their progress goals and reflections to their parents. And so that was a nice shift. So we didn't include that really first semester, we put that more towards second semester last year. So we're going to continue with that. Um, And then our video that we're giving to parents in unit zero will hopefully um, help that stakeholder just be introduced to the model um, in a more clear way. So we're trying to provide clarity to caregivers this year. Yeah. And I think sometimes our caregivers are a little hesitant to get involved with education, right? Because it's so different than what they're used to. Uh, And so with this model, I really like it because it provides that transparency. And so it's no longer, you know, hey, I'm I'm learning this thing in math and I have no idea what you're learning and I don't know how to teach you. But now here's an instructional video that we can all watch together as a family. So then we can learn and have those conversations. And so I really like the practice of getting your students to email their parents and their families and caregivers because then that's less work on us, right? Yeah, we like, we're take te- that off me. Right. <laughs> we're teaching 10th graders, right? So they're 15 and 16-year-old kids and, and just trying to teach them to have more agency and more, you know, taking responsibility for their own learning. So that mm-hmm. it's it's intentional, right? It's it, it takes the burden off us, but it's also a good learning opportunity for our kids. Yeah, yeah and we were playing with different formats because our kids, you know, aren't using email most of them, um, that's not the way they go. Right. So yeah. we kind like, of, is that a real email? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some trust there that we have to give to. So we, we tried even setting up like a little, uh, sentence stem for them to text their parents. And then, so sometimes like I would have my students text their parents and then just 
you know, show me their phone on their way out the door. So again, that requires some trust. Um, but yeah, we're trying to be creative about how we get, you know, the kids, like Lori said, to take that agency and be the ones communicating with their parents. So we're still open to new ideas, trying out how to be current and how to help kids communicate with, with their parents in a way that, that makes sense for them. Yeah. And thinking to next year to using, like, I want them to be using the verbiage of the model when they're mm, communicating yeah. with their parents. So, you know, I'm on my must do. My goal was this. Mm-hmm. I want to get to X. So using the verbiage of the model, I think will help make that connection to caregivers. Yeah. And and it seems like you all are creating that space to be innovative as well, right? Like, hey, if an email is not going to work for you, if that's not how you roll, like texting is good. Next thing you know, y'all, we're going to have to be creating TikTok videos. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Actually, okay. we did make Teresa will be in charge with that. <laughs> we did make an English to TikTok and never did anything. But <laughs> let's not talk about no. that. <laughs> we haven't made one video, but it exists. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Um, but you all know, like millennials, we love some TikTok videos nowadays. So <laughs> hey, yeah. they, hey, Tony Rose, they have Twitter now. So. <laughs> oh my god, you have Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gen Z would be like Twitter. What is that? <laughs> Um, all right. Yeah. I mean, again, a lot of the things you all said resonated. Um, I know that one of the biggest struggles is trying to get our caregivers a little bit, um, in the know of what we're doing, because I think I feel like in the, in, in education, it's just been teachers are just given that trust to figure it out ourselves. Right. And now we're trying to get everyone involved in the teaching and learning experience of a student, which is really, really great. And so again, with this model, transparency is best. Um, and caregivers, families, families can learn alongside their students, which is always so exciting. So I'm glad that you all are kind of thinking about how to um, make this a little bit more effective for your students and your admin and your caregivers as well. I do have a follow up question about admin. So, it, you know, you said that there was no pushback from admin. How did teacher evaluations and observations go with you all doing modern classroom? Because I know that's one of the things that are a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are wondering about. I think that that we have spot observations. And so they're coming, like our administrators are coming in to see bits and pieces of, you know, what our teaching looks like, what our models look like. And so they're seeing that before our overall evaluation. Um, so our administrator, you know, was in our planning sessions or was also they're seeing how our teaching was going throughout the year. Um, so it, it felt like they were on board to learn what we were doing. Yeah. And, you know, we are a, our course is a state tested course. And so we have a little bit of extra things that we have to do throughout the year to show that our students are prepared for that test. And so there are certain sort of benchmarks that we, we need to hit as a team um, throughout the year. And so while we were hitting those benchmarks, we were showing how the model, even though it's a different sort of instructional model, we were still hitting those benchmarks. Yeah. So we're a bit under a microscope more sometimes we feel like, but the model has actually helped us make a lot of what we're doing visible um, to our administrators. Um, We've you know, worked hard to put together documents since we have to roll it out to students like we talked about and families, you know, since it is something new, we've created documents. Teresa put, you know, she did her fancy thing of putting little 
packets together for when observers came in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. She makes the pretty (laughs) stuff. And uh, so we had these really nice documents that really explain the three different components. Um, She had that all set for us. So when an administrator or observer walked in the room, we could give them a packet of documents that really helps explain what they're seeing in front of them. Because that wasn't always like you're referring to. That wasn't something always intuitive when someone came into our room. They wouldn't necessarily know what was going on. Yeah, we didn't Um, need to explain. Yeah, but we were able to set up some documents that sort of explained what they were seeing. So I think that was helpful in that process of having people come in our rooms and just know what the heck they were seeing. And we got a lot of, for lack of a better word, like district traction Mm -hmm. from like what we were doing. Yeah. So they were in there wanting to see, they were looking for innovation. Yeah. And so that ended up helping on evaluation. The avid people loved it when they came in to observe. Yeah. 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 That's, that sounds, that sounds awesome. I know my admin was definitely hands off. Um, and her biggest thing was, Hey, if I can walk into your classroom, have a conversation with a student, any student, and they can tell me what's happening. You're good to go regardless of whatever instructional model you're using. Right. And I thought, huh, that is really interesting. And I, and I think modern classroom, uh, definitely, made our students more accountable, right? Like if you sit with them and you ask them what they're doing, they could literally tell you, I'm on unit one, lesson three, working on my instructional video. Like it's really, really dope what our students come up with when we have this model in the classroom. It is dope. (laughs) (laughs) Because now when administrators come in and ask that, there's so much clarity around what they're doing. And that was my feedback that my students gave me at the end of the year. They said, this class is just very clear to me with where where I am, what I'm supposed to be doing. And a lot of that has to do with the model. Yeah. I mean, getting rid of the element of surprise. I always say this, right? Teaching and learning should not be a surprise. It should not be so stressful to the point like our students aren't ready. The the visibility part of it, as you all have mentioned, is really, really important just so that everyone is on the same page. Um, I had co-teachers in my classroom as well, and they just like love the model because they knew exactly what they needed to do. Our SPED teachers also knew where our students with IEPs and 504s needed to be. I mean, it was just so clear. There was no what's happening next? Or I don't really know what's happening, right? It's more so like, oh, this is where we're at. This is what Miss Deanna said. Here are the due dates. And this is what I'm doing. And I just, I love that so much. I miss being in the classroom. <laughs> it makes me, like I'll never teach a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what we're, we're talking about all the great things about the model, right? So let's be a little bit um, realistic. What were some of the challenges you came across when implementing this model in the beginning, even just last year? Um, I would say for me, it took definitely a mental shift. I wanted to innovate. I was excited about it, but I also kind of carried with me, I think, what maybe some other teachers um, carry, which is like this misplaced guilt of, you know, I have these students in front of me for this year. And if I try something new with them, it's almost like not a good thing for kids, right? Like I'm experimenting with their education or something. So I had to kind of shed that in order to shift my thinking and, and really like jump into the innovation the way I wanted to, that just took a little mental work on my part. Um, but then as soon as we jumped in, you know, I could see that really had I stuck with the traditional model, really that would have been the disservice to kids. Um, and, and experimenting with this was the best thing I could have done, but it, it did take a bit of a leap. And then I would also say that I had built some bad habits, um, 
thinking about how I would talk with students, I had to reprogram some of my automatic responses, such as, you know, if I saw students on task, I mean, I'm sorry, if I saw students off task, I had to ignore this urge to just constantly remind them to be on task Mm -hmm. because the model is really building in student agency and having them monitor their own progress. So I had to like step back myself and sort of trust the process and not step in at every moment, right? Like I had to let them figure it out and, and trust the process. So, and, and that also went along with when students were getting used to the model and they had questions, you know, questions about the model, questions about the content, instead of just immediately answering that question 500 times throughout my day, I had mm-hmm. to just refer them to our documents So, you know, Lori mentioned these evergreen documents that we had put together. I really just had to get out of the habit of answering and saying, you know, go watch the video again. Um, So for me, those were just a few of the things that I had some hurdles I had to jump over. Um, But once I did, you know, it was scary, but absolutely necessary. And then now there's a freedom that I have associated with that. We talk to each other a lot about that. Like we would, uh, you know, period would end and we'd go to each other and be like, I really wanted to kind of disrupt the model here, but I didn't do it. And we would encourage each other. Like that's part of the model. Mm-hmm. Stick with it. Um, so we really leaned on each other for that. We did for sure. We had a couple, we had a few sort of instructional things that were challenging too, in that we discovered that for some of our students, um, they needed a little extra motivation to get them to stretch to those should do and aspire to assignments. And I've heard this from other teachers in the work I've been doing with mentoring. Um, so I know that we're not alone on this particular point, but how we have gone about solving that problem is we've um, moved to waiting grades. So they, you know, are eligible to gain, get more points, you know, for the should do and the aspire to do work. Um, we started doing goal setting and reflection. Um, we even gave them words to use through the five habits of learning of, of how, you know, what kinds of um, attributes that they want to learn and use in order to, to achieve those goals. Um, we started creating Actually, we started making assignments that we've been wanting to do, but just haven't been had time to do um, more on the creative end and more engaging. Like we had some of them, we called them fun assignments where we made artistic connections um, where they were able to like research artists or research different parts of our um, novels that we're reading and then, you know, draw a a picture of it. Um, And then we had them doing some real world stuff like um, New York Times writing contest with some of the kids just really got into. They just really liked having that opportunity. Um, Collaboration was another thing that that was kind of a challenge. And I think that was unique because we were coming off the the, um, hybrid year, excuse me, the hybrid year, the, the pandemic year, we call it the hybrid year. So just like moving from all virtual digital to in-person. It was almost like we had to relearn. Everybody had to relearn the collaboration. And we also, because everyone was so used to digital, we added in paper again, <laughs> which seems strange because that's just what we did up, before. Crazy. Yeah. Paper. <laughs> we used paper, yeah. you know, after we'd just been digital for so long, but, mm. but we found that just those small little things were actually engaging for the kids. 
Um, and then we brought in some kind of hands-in stuff, hands-on stuff where we had kids collaborating on flip grids or doing tableaus. And, you know, that was, you know, to getting our kids talking to each other. It, it was definitely a process because coming off the, that hybrid year, it was, our, our kids had lost had yeah. lost practice. We had lost practice yeah. in terms of facilitating that. And they had been staring at their computers by themselves in their rooms at home. Yeah. yeah. For the first a year day of before that. last year, I went up to you guys and I was like, I am rusty. I was like, <laughs> I have not done this in a while. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. They wanted to work in a silo and we had to, we had to break that. ways to break that. Yeah. And we didn't, mm-hmm. and we wanted our blended learning to be more dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, here's a video, here, do an assignment, you know, do the mastery check. It was, yeah. we, we needed to, to, to break that up to be. That was the challenge for me. Yeah. yeah. I think it took us even the first unit. And after the first unit, we were like, wow, our rooms are too quiet. They're yeah. staring at their computers too long. Mm-hmm. They're not talking to each other, you know, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, we started implementing what those strategies Lori said, like Flipgrid and everything. And we just, you know, really saw our, our classrooms change after that. But it took us a while to get there um, to figure out how to do that. I think after we included those collaboration components, then I was like, oh, this feels like my classroom again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It became lively again. Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely lacked the social skills for those two years. You know, we did not have that practice and we were just so used to just being in our room and not really interacting with anyone. So totally understandable. And then, of course, with all the COVID protocols about collaboration, right, and like being six feet apart and not sharing stuff. So um, all of that um, for different schools made it a lot more difficult to collaborate. But then we also needed to shift and think about collaboration doesn't necessarily mean that they're all touching the same thing, um, physically touching the same thing. They could just be also be on their computer, like you said, Flipgrid or like Parlay Ideas and having those conversations that way or having a shared document and working together. Those are still, that's still considered collaboration. So uh, how did the first day of implementation go for you all? Because we've talked about planning. We've talked about creating that mindset and shifting that mindset and creating a team that's really aligned to our goals and vision and all of that. So Let's talk about the first day. How did that go? Um, so I would say for me, the the two things that came to mind when the when I saw this question was I really remember feeling energized and also resilient, and that was really for me um, not the way I had felt at the start of previous school years. And I think it was just because of how much we had prepared. Um, you know, I had listened to every podcast. We did the free course. We did the summer Institute, um, you know, listened to panels of teachers talking about this. I mean, I just, um, everything we did to prepare made me feel ready for it, but also from listening to all the advice out there, I knew it wasn't going to be perfect. Like I knew there were going to be bumps. I knew the first day there'd be some screw ups. So I was ready for that. And, you know, I just felt like I can handle anything. Um, and I, I was just really energized after the first day feeling like, all right, we made the right choice. We're doing the right thing. And, and let's just keep going. So, yeah, in previous years, like I said, I, I can be a bit nervous. You know, they're they're like laughing because <laughs> they know me. <laughs> Got a little bit of anxiety, like to over prepare. But yeah, I just felt like it wasn't perfect, but it was awesome. And uh, I was just energized to move forward. 
don't know. <laughs> Teresa and I are over here laughing. We're laughing because Steph said she overprepares sometimes, which is incredibly <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Um, they know me. <laughs> I was so excited to do it, but I was scared. It just felt like, okay, we've been talking about this for so long and we've been trying to implement this during a hybrid year. And now it, like, it's time. Like I was like, it's game day. And I was a little nervous. But, you know, it's like any first day where the, you know, your first period, you're like, okay, that's always rusty. And then as you get to the end of the day, you're like, oh, I got this. And then we, I was excited and ready to plan and, you know, make changes. Like we kept running things of, okay, this did not work. This is how what we're going to change. And we came into PLCs like in a like comfortable, vulnerable spot to be like, okay, this didn't work the first day. What are we going to do? And I think approaching it with humility and curiosity, right? And lots of grace. And I think, you know, like what Steph said with the, the mindset of knowing this is going to be messy and that's okay. You know, it's not going to be perfect. You can learn and read and talk to as many people and then the practice is so different. And so I think sometimes as educators, we get frustrated, you know, and want to give up and that's understandable. And at the same time, it's like, no, nothing is perfect. You know, we're going to constantly have to reevaluate and reassess and revise the things that we implement in the classroom. So you, again, amazing. So then this, this upcoming school year coming up really quickly, you all are at school right now. How are you planning on doing the model differently this upcoming school year? Yeah. So after one year of full implementation with in-person students, um, we're proud of what we created and we feel like we have a solid foundation like right now we're looking back at our unit one from last year. And it's so funny how even the formatting or things we incorporated, we're like, okay, go back to our last unit because it doesn't look like this anymore. So um, we're restructuring um, our formats of our earlier units. And we really want to prioritize more regular discussion routines and then opportunities for collaboration. We want more goal setting and reflection, SEL, um, we just want to really be able to make the model our own this year. We were so aligned last year that we were like, okay, we want to put some of our own personalities into our rooms again. And we can do that with those discussion routines and that collaboration. So that's really what we're looking for in the year coming up. Yeah. And I love that. You know, you are all prepared with the content. You got the content down. And now your next steps is really just thinking about how you can show up as a human being and not just as a teacher, as a team. Right. But as an individual, as well as your students and doing the whole check ins with the social emotional learning as well and creating goals and reflecting and all of that. So I do I, I do appreciate that shift this upcoming school year, which is going to be so much fun because I feel like you'll get to know more tea from high schoolers. Right. And all the oh, gossip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I'm ready for that. Um, Well, okay. So I had the opportunity to meet you all in person, which was really exciting for me. And so your team had the chance to visit DC to check out some of our top implementers in the area. So how did you go about getting that trip funded? What were some of your biggest takeaways? Would you recommend observing others to new implementers? Oh, okay. That DC trip was so wonderful. And I just want to say thank you to you and Emily Dia for hosting us and the rest of the staff there for making it happen. And I also have to shout out Kristen Watkins from the Dallas ISD Personalized Learning Department. It was so touch and go from like coming off of COVID restrictions that I'm just so happy that we were able to make it happen. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who was able to make it happen. Um, like in terms of our takeaways, um, I think that really it 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 really validated our decision about 
you know, taking on this model, it would, it felt great to be among other educators who were just as excited as we were, um, about it. And, uh, it was very powerful to see it, uh, also implemented on a school-wide model. Um, so it, you know, we're the only team at, in our school. We got over a hundred teachers in our school. We're the only ones in our school doing it. We have other personalized learning teachers around the district because we do have, we're fortunate to have a personalized learning department in the district, but that's not our school. And so, and, and their work is, is, has a lot of work with elementary schools, not so much on the secondary level. So we are kind of an island in terms of implementing it here in Dallas ISD. So it was really great to just talk and see and meet and 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 know that this can really work and it was just validating. I don't know how much more I can say about it other than yes, you should absolutely <laughs> go and visit teachers. I think Antonio, I think we talked about this, like having a chance to visit other teachers and seeing the process and and um, kind of networking with other teachers doing this. I, I would like to do a lot more of that. And as we get more teachers in this area trained in on on modern classrooms, it would be great to be able to come together and um, on some kind of regular basis to, to be able to, to visit each other and just learn from each other. Yeah, don't worry, Lori. That's all coming up. That's all me. <laughs> Count us as partners because we would love to to be a part of that. Like we would, we totally invite anybody to come in and see our classrooms anytime. And and also, I, I would say that you know we would have done that trip sooner into our implementation if it had not been for COVID, right? We so it would have been better to do that early in our process in terms of our implementation. Um, so I if if you know, I were to recommend that to anyone, I would say, look early and often to find people who you can go visit to do the, to see what they're doing. Yeah. Probably before, you know, rolling it out fully. Yeah. Like I think had we done it before we had rolled out, um, probably would have saved us some, some headaches in our process of trying to figure things out because we would have just seen things that we couldn't wrap our minds around as we were kind of working through it together. So, you know, we, we managed through and I appreciate the process we went on, but, uh, as Laurie said, if we were doing it again, um, earlier in the process would, would just have helped, I think, make things clearer earlier for us. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners are toying with the idea of this model, like go look at teachers, connect with them because that are doing this model, because I think to do MCP, you have to be innovative and, um, just like welcoming to teachers mm-hmm. taking on the model. Yeah. Yeah. And lots of, uh, again, grace, right? <laughs> Just lots of grace. And I think there's such a need for it and such a, like our implanters are craving that. Our community is so great and so positive and so welcoming that it's literally like, hey, can I come see you next week? And they would literally just say, yes, come through. You don't even have to tell me, just show up and I'll talk to you about the model all day long. Mm-hmm. I validate that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come see us. Yeah, come to Dallas. And, uh, yeah, the teachers we saw in DC just, you know, took time out of their days, um, you know, answered a million questions we had, let us into their classrooms. I mean, they were so generous on their side and, you know, like Teresa said, that's just, I think, part of, you know, the making of the teachers that are doing this, that everybody's open and has an open door classroom policy that's doing this. So that was just an awesome thing to be a part of. 
And there's no really true interruption, right? Because there's no more lecturing happening. The teacher can actually step outside and have a conversation with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like learning's going to, learning's facilitating itself over here. I can step out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So what do you hope to see in the future and what goals do you have? So I think Teresa mentioned this earlier as what one of the strong appeals to it was the work-life balance piece. So that's something that now we've implemented for a year. You know, we expect nothing less now. We expect time when we're at home to be time at home and that, you know, we don't have to take piles of work with us because we're doing these, you know, quick mastery checks throughout the day. You know, that's now moving forward our expectation. So teaching is going to be sustainable for all of us and any new teammates we have and teachers that we continue to work with will be able to be on board with that too. You know, and also we had really only one year of implementation with this. So we're going to be collecting a lot of student data moving forward just to see the impact long term that this is going to have on our students. And we're really excited about that. I mean, we we have anecdotal data. We talked to students last year um, and they were on board with it. We were able to see a year of our state test results. And, you know, it's not all about that. It's definitely not all about that. But that is a piece of it that we're excited to see continue to grow the testing data, but just, you know, how we see our students learning and how it's impacting them as people and humans. We're going to continue to find joy in seeing that uh, long term. And and definitely we're also definitely you can hear from our excitement that we're invested in MCP. So we want to continue next steps. Um, Lori is really leading the charge. She all of us are um, distinguished educators. But Lori is a mentor, and so Teresa and I are trying to follow her footsteps and become mentors. So we just want to continue with the model and um, continue really to pass it on to other teachers and get other teachers excited. Um, We are going to have the opportunity to do some campus PD and then as well as some PD across the district because we really want to get other educators on board and just keep getting educators excited about this model like we are. And that's great because, you know, work-life balance, right? Um, You're able to do all of these things, but also um, experience life, which is really, really, really nice. Um, So you all seem like you got a great year ahead of you, which I'm so excited about. I can't wait to continue um, getting updates from you all. And I can't wait for Steph and Teresa to be become expert mentors. Uh, we're, working just, we're working on it. We yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that just means it's more time with me. So I'm selfish that way. <laughs> yeah. That's that, yeah. So these are all great goals that you have. And I, I'm looking forward to just hearing how amazing this school year goes, or even just like some, you know, some obstacles that you all will probably face this school year because there's never just a perfect school year, right? So when uh, before wrapping up, how can our listeners connect with you all? Well, now the two of them are also on Twitter, so I can give you our Twitter handles. <laughs> I love this, Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> Can't give you their TikToks, but can give you their Twitter handles. Um, okay, so at Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A underscore Benny, B-E-N-E is my Twitter. And then Lori's Twitter is at Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E, Gus, G-U-S. And then Steph's Twitter that I made for her is <laughs> at Miss um, Peel, P-E-E-L-E-N-G-2. So English 2 is at the end of hers. 
Yes, thankfully, uh, Teresa helped us out with this. When Lori and I read the question, I'll embarrass us for a moment. We were like, yeah, just give them our email. That's what she means, right? So um, thankfully for the team approach, Teresa, Teresa came up big on yeah. this one for yeah, us. They can count on me for that and gamifying things. Yes. Oh, this is so beautiful. Just, I love the dynamic of this team. Um, and also, Teresa, thank you for Twitter because... Oh, yeah. That's a great way to just connect Lori and stuff. So you'll make more teacher friends that way. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you all so much for sharing your experiences and expertise and just laughing alongside me. Um, so listeners, remember, you can always email us at podcast at modernclassrooms.org. And you can find the show notes for this episode at podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash 101. We'll have this episode's recap and transcript uploaded to the Modern Classroom blog on Friday. So be sure to check there or check back in the show notes for this episode if you'd like to access those. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week and we'll be back next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org. And you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj. That's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Podcast.